With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kevin Kincaid. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> He's busy poo-pooing what we're talking about. Today. Strenuously. Kevin Kincaid's new friend, best friend, Mike Missinelli, had a... Uh, had a uh, Philadelphia Union jersey on and was talking soccer for about 10 minutes. I couldn't believe it. It's always soccer on a Friday afternoon, and just like the 3-6 Mafia, we stay dough boy, dough the dough boy, fresh. Fresh with the Supporters' Shield, first trophy in Philadelphia Union uh, franchise history. But we're going to take a – we're going to veer from the path today because we've got a break uh, before the playoffs uh, resume. Playoffs, as Jim Mora once said. And we're going to talk about the radio business and specifically why the Philadelphia Union can't get any uh, business on the radio, even after winning their first trophy. We had a little bit of an episode of Mike Missinelli on Thursday, and we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about all of the things radio-related as, uh, as pertaining to the Philadelphia Union. So joining me uh, is a friend of the program. He hasn't been on before, but I, f- I thought he would be perfect uh, to have on this episode to explain exactly what the hell is going on here. It's Aton Shander. Oh, Kincaid? Thanks for coming on, man. I, Listen, um, man, I, when you think of Shander in Philadelphia, you think of soccer. I understand. I mean, it's long time overdue that we haven't done this. That's right. I know you do a hundred different things. You do uh, The Middle, uh, which is a new show with Harry Mays and Barrett Brooks on Philly Voice and YouTube. That's daily, uh, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. You've got uh, What Are the Odds on Fox Sports, The Gambler. You yep. have uh, TV appearances on on. Fox 29. Did I get everything? Did I miss any of them? Uh, props and Locks is the big one now. Yeah. Props Thursday, and Locks. Yeah. Thursday night, me, Sean Bell, Scott Grayson, 7 o'clock live on Fox 29. And we lead you right into Thursday Night Football. So it's awesome because Fox Bet, it's their show. So it's a full-on betting program. And Sean gives a lot of analysis. And then I come in and I just throw you some props and some lines and some stuff to think about. And it's awesome because it's meant to be more of a conversational show. So so you've you've done everything and you currently are doing everything. Did you ever no, think no, you would no. be on a on a Philadelphia Union podcast? Well, here's the thing. I I would not put it outside the realm of possibility because you're involved. So if I knew that element was available, then uh, who the hell knows what I would be doing if you were involved? Because let's not sell yourself short here, Kev. You are the shander of crossing broad. <laughs> I don't think anybody else writes for that site anymore, do they? Uh, now we're, we're very busy Bobby, growing the business. Is he growing, still around? Yeah, he's doing business stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, gambling and affiliate links. It's actually a very lucrative business. I don't think most people even know really what's going on with that, but we're doing, um, we're doing well on the business side. And so I'm happy to, uh, to, to, I'm happy to carry the yeah. content load, if you know what I mean. Um, so let me kind of set the stage here. This is Friday. We're recording on Friday. On Thursday, uh, we had Philadelphia Union fans accidentally kind of back ended into blowing up Mike Missinelli's 
right. uh, show, the final hour of the show. I just want everybody to know, this is not a bitch session. Like, I'm not bringing AIDS. Aton used to work at 97.5. I'm not bringing him on here. We're not going to, like, rag Mike. We're not going to, like, dump on the guy. We're not throwing anybody under the bus. This is not what that is. This is an educational session because I think a lot of people – were uh, complaining to Mike and saying, well, why don't you talk about the union? Why can't we get any radio coverage of the best team in town right now? That's a fact. They actually won something. The other teams kind of stink right now. So if you're not going to talk us, talk about us now, then why, or the, is there ever a chance? You know, so what happened was I, I was actually on with Mike to talk about something else. We were arguing about the Brett Favre, Doug Peterson, mm. Nick Foles, non-story nothing burger, right? And right. I shouted out the union afterwards. Mike, unrelated earlier in the day, said, you know, the union are never going to light up the phone lines. So I shared the number. And I said, well, let's light up the phone lines, right? And he got like five Philadelphia union calls or something like that. Um, and he just explained to them, like, look, it's not, it's a small fish in a big pond. You know, it's the Eagles. You know, we play the hits. This is what we do on the radio. Um, so Aton, explain to the Philadelphia union fans uh, what our standing is in the city when it comes to sports talk radio. Okay. So before I, I specifically discuss that i think it is worth mentioning and probably a couple of times over because if this isn't the audience to do it i don't know what would be which is you do have a radio home in this city and that is fox sports radio the gambler and i will credit sean brace mm -hmm. because he has been so active now on the flip side it's chris albright it's the team understanding the value there they're down there sean has been connected with the union as you know for a long time. So he's able to bring that together. And look, I get it. It's not the fanatic. It's not IP. We'll talk about that in a second. But this is not simply just airing the games. Joe Tanzi, Sean Brace, they do a fantastic job. The pre-games leading up their daily discussions. Jim Curtin is on once a week. This is a fully immersed topic. And if you look at it, there's not that much of a gambling element that's played to it. So if there's one thing that we stretch away from, as far as, you know, hard, heavy lines and things like that, it's just good union talk. And, of course, you get the games on the radio as well. So, yes, it's a plug, but at the same time, Kevin, I, I think it's worth mentioning that there are people here, and this is iHeartRadio, there are people here in this city who do recognize that even if it is a small fish in a bigger pond, there's value in rewarding fans. And people like yourself who continue to put out content specifically for the game and for the union fans, as well as the radio on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, across the board, there are people that recognize that there are plenty of people and fans in this city that make up that small fish. So I just wanted to recognize that first. Now, as far as what's going on in the city, let me zoom out and kind of present what's happening here. For a long time in this city, you've had two radio stations combating, going back and forth. Very rare has it been where one slot outside of the afternoon drive on 97.5 has come even close to beating the other station. And even now, as we see, John and Ike are doing a really good job competing, going back and forth with Mike's show. And you know what? To be honest, that should elevate it, right? The fact that you have competition. Josh was here for a little bit. A lot of people jumped on that. New shows get a spike. His lasted a little longer, and that's a credit to him. But the reality is, is that, and we cover sports. We have to look at this from our own perspective, our own point of view, is that we've had two radio stations where one, as you know, has been in such a commanding lead, especially in morning drive and really throughout the day outside of that one small spot, where there is no pressure on them to 
divert. There is no pressure on them to move away from what they're doing because whatever net that they're casting with the Eagles, whatever net that they're casting with the teams they broadcast, like the Phillies, and I'd argue as a listener of IP, that they talk way too much Phillies. They carry the games. Right. There it is. Same thing. So my point of it is that the net has been cast specifically the ratings are returned. The other station, which I was there for years and a lot of loyalty and lived and died at that place, the other station is so far away that by diverting away from what's working for the other station in front of you, you run such a risk of getting pushed back even further. If you're getting doubled, you run a risk of getting quadrupled. Nobody can survive. Sam Hinkie couldn't survive like that. So the job risk from programmers down to what you talk about, it's basically like, well, let's mirror, let's copy as much as we can what the station up front is doing. And just look at it like a music station. If you're playing the hits, is that yep. what you got from Mike, right? Yep. Hey, we're playing the hits, we're playing the hits. Well, what station is going deep cuts? What station that's playing the hits right now on the afternoon drive when you're driving home from work from a music standpoint is all deep cuts, deep tracks? Nobody. That's the issue. WMMR, WMMR, I think I've heard them play Jane's Addiction for 30 years and, and Van Halen. Philly is such a parochial town when it comes to all that stuff. It kind of bleeds into our media, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely does. And, and I think what's happened is there's been an establishment, and you can blame or credit, depending on what you want, people like Angelo Cataldi and Howard Eskin, who have been here for so long and have cultivated this conversation of Eagles, Eagles. And to be fair, as you know, who've worked and won an Emmy in television, a lot of it, especially early on, yes, sir, is about coaching and direction. And yeah. somebody coming right. in and saying, hey, it could be Tom Bigby sitting somebody down, saying, now, son, <laughs> you're going to talk about the Eagles because the Eagles rate. And all of a sudden, in the 80s to the 90s, teams like the Phillies and the Flyers get phased out. So now, fast forward, you have a station that won't take a risk and you have a station that's in front of them with a big, pretty big gap that doesn't need to take a risk. So Flyers fans, Union fans, we find ourselves throughout on radio trying to just cast the wide net. But here's where I think there's some hypocrisy that steps in. And I know, cut in whatever, I'm going too long, please. No, it's all right. Here's where I think the hypocrisy is. Twofold. One, the best radio is not caller-driven. But that, again, goes back to what's been cultivated trying to entice people to call with lists and that's a very and that's a very specifically philadelphia thing you go elsewhere in north america you don't hear phone calls the way you you hear them in, in philly there are stations miami for example there are stations in big markets that just don't take calls don't. right and that is a huge element of it because callers with the data that we have Callers at best represent six to seven percent of your show at best. And that's like a good amount of who's listening. Six to seven percent. So what's happened is the rest, the 93 percent, and this is to your point, Kev, about where we are, how much it's been ingrained in us. The 93 percent, there's a lot of people now that are ingrained that's just in their brain now over and over again to seek out that seven percent. Oh, I can't wait to hear what 
Wade from Chester has to say about you right. know firing Doug Peterson and trading <laughs> Carson Wentz today. It's craziness, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. all wrapped in. Now, this is where I think the hypocrisy is. And it's not a rip on anybody specific. In fact, I think there are a lot of talented people on both stations that could carry this conversation. But Agreed. A, a host-driven radio program that's not relying upon people reacting to you right away, that instant retweet-like reaction, is able to talk about something where even if you don't know about it, you can open up a conversation. And look, we have plenty of opportunity for people to talk about it on Twitter, even if you do open up the phone lines, things along those lines. But it doesn't have to be an educated conversation to the point at which you're breaking the game down. Because look, how often do you hear full-on shows in Philadelphia sports radio breaking X's and O's down in a game. If no. it's ever used, it's used to a point about why Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. Or so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, or here's how many times that Carson Wentz was pressured when he threw an interception or threw the ball away or something like that. You know? Correct. It's, let me hold that thought for a sec because I yeah, just want to – I want to – before I like – because I got a, a bunch of responses. I don't want to lose sorry. any of them. No, no, no. It's all right. You got me fired um, up already. No, no, no. It's all good. I, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I think what Sean and Joe are doing is great. I, list, I find myself ended up listening to Sean every day, and I think there's – part of this is, is that people are probably sitting at home thinking like, well, who the fuck cares like i got this podcast we got always soccer we got what sean and joe are doing on the gambler we have sons of ben podcast all these great independent media outlets right why the fuck do we care about being on 97.5 or being on wip but it's like you you see those two as the legacy stations that have been here for a while and it's like yep. it's it, it's a legitimacy like it's saying like we want to be included you know like we want what we don't have we love what it sean's validates. doing we, we validation we love what sean's doing we love what kevin's doing with always soccer we love what Sons of Ben podcast is doing, but we feel like we deserve to be at the table with everybody else, right? We deserve to be at the big boys table. The interesting thing is that we're really, really, I, I think what it is from a, from a business perspective and, and the whole Nielsen thing is another, um, you know, a thing in itself, the how the ratings work. But really it's a question of, I think people say, because Mike and other people will say, well, if we talk soccer, then other people, Eagles fans are going to turn off the radio. Right. That's going back to playing the hits versus playing, the playing the hits. And, and, right. and people, and I think the explanation has always been, and I always use the example, like, look, you're doing a show that's four hours long, right? Surely there's enough time to play Van Halen and Pearl Jam, right? You don't just have to play Van Halen. Although I would listen to that show if that's what they did, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. this, 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 this conundrum of thinking like, well, if we include the union, which is a minority team. And if we include the Flyers, which is a minority team, are the majority Eagles fans going to tune out? So you look at it as like a singular collective majority of Eagles fans versus smaller minorities of Phillies, Union, and Flyers fans. And does the grouping of the minority fan bases make up for the loss, the potential loss of the one big majority? You know, I'm like making circles with my hands. And you know, mathematically, you can look at it a bunch of different ways, but the programmers in this town have decided that the Eagles pay the bills and they don't want to risk upsetting that, you know? And I respect that from a business perspective. I worked at Eyewitness News for seven years. Like, I get it. I, crossing broad, Eagles stories do better than anything else, mostly. Um, but I guess we've never really tried it, have we? We've never really tried to do a show, a Philadelphia sports radio show that includes everybody. I don't even know if the experiment has really been there. Is, is the data even there to suggest that doing it one way is better than doing it another way? Not so much, at least not as concrete as we think. And again, to use a parallel here, think about where you had a guy in Jason Martinez who was hosting a daily show 
and rightfully so because he's connected and works for the Flyers, was able to brand himself as the hockey guy. Now, this goes back to when he was producing with Mike, and you had some of those heated conversations. Right. Fast forward. Now, think about this. It's like, fast forward, we're still having these ridiculous conversations. And this is where I think it goes back to not being host-driven. A host-driven program forces the host to do work, forces the host to come prepared. You don't need to break down who's coming off the bench in a sub at the 89th minute. But you mm-hmm. know what you don't need to do as well? You don't need to have the same old tired-ass conversation of, will soccer ever be the number two sport in the country? Or why would <laughs> yeah. we talk about so- like becoming trying to be – Like every four, every four years when there's nothing going on in the summer and the World Cup is on, you know, we get our like one day on the radio where they yeah. ask the same – because it's the same Dan Shaughnessy column that he's been writing for 40 years at the Boston Globe, that's you know, exactly will soccer right. ever make it? Yeah, It's um, amazing. But that's where we are, where yeah. unfortunately – it's not even about talking. And again, there's no nuance, right? There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's nothing to work and navigate through. And I understand that that's the world that we live in. But my goodness, there has to be some sort of middle ground. And this goes back to the host. This goes back to the host just caring about what's happening around the city, understanding that it's on you now as the host to be able to communicate why Because here's the thing, and this is what I've learned, and and it's the best host that we've had in the city. Love him or hate him, and I know at times we disagree on him. At times I agree on him. But there are people like Cataldi. I was able, I was fortunate enough to work very closely with Michael Smirkanish, and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for that opportunity. Anthony is another guy. Anthony Gargano is another one, right? Where if you are able to sell to the audience, first off, the audience has to has to feel and understand that you're a compelling individual. Right. And all of them are in their own different rights, right? You put them in a room together, <laughs> yeah. God knows what yeah. would happen. Yeah. Yeah. But what Colorful. they've done, Ken, what they've done is, respectively, they've convinced their audience, and rightfully so, that they are compelling in their own right. Now, what's happened is, it's on them and any other host who's been able to connect with their audience to then bring up something that is outside of the Eagles blinders and say, hey, everybody, this is why I think this is compelling. Because you know what? All of a sudden, that net begins to widen a little bit where right. all, it's somebody who's been with you for five years, who's been listening to your show every day for the past six months, who's new to your program and hated you for the first three or four days but now loves you, who's all of a sudden, if they're going to take your recommendation for some stupid show on the E! Network, I guarantee you that they're going to take your recommendation for a soccer game. Right, right, right. You know, it's... um. It's interesting because we get into this conundrum. This is very specifically Philadelphia. Like we wouldn't even, I wouldn't even raise this point if I was in like Vancouver or Toronto or something like that. But it's this kind of like chicken and egg thing when it comes to sports talk radio that's caller driven, right? So what Mike will say and what other people will say too, it's not just a Mike thing, but he'll say, well, we don't talk about the Flyers because nobody calls in to talk about the Flyers. But you could say, well, nobody's calling in because he's not talking about it. Right. So it's like, what came first, the, ch- the chicken you, or the egg? You know, let me ask you a quick question on that. And, yeah. and I'm not asking you to name anybody because it's not about ripping anybody at all. And you can include me in this because I host three days a week mm-hmm. on the gambler. But of the percentage of people that are hosting minimum three days a week, Monday through Monday, how many people do you think can do three hour shows, four hour shows with maybe one call an hour? Maybe like one person, two people in this city. Yeah. Okay. That's not a lot. That's a major factor Mm -hmm. in what hosts are going to talk about. Because now all of a sudden it's like, 
whoa, I'm out on an island. Not only do I not know what I'm talking about from the sport <laughs> element, but I don't yes. have anybody out there saving me and throwing me around. Right, and this is another issue entirely where I get mad personally because you know I came up through the ranks as a producer. Yep. You know, I was a producer and a writer for a long time, but before I was a, a columnist and whatever the fuck I'm doing now. But I feel like a lot of sports radio in this town is underproduced to yeah. the fact where it's like we're just going to crutch and lean off of phone calls and we can come in kind of less prepared than you would at any other city, any other market, because we know that people are just going to call in and they're going to feed the content at the same time. So I don't have to do as much preparation with that because I know I can just go 610-632 and then we got a bunch of people who want to talk about foals, right? Yeah, I, I can say that there are a lot of areas, there are a lot of spotty areas throughout the day on shows that are simply people running a board and most likely getting paid as a reflection of that. Yeah. You know, that and that's happens. not me. And that's not me being critical of any of these people in a way. It's just kind of the, the nature of what it is. Like, I think there's yeah, a but, lot of talented producers in this town. I just think the nature of kind of what we've fallen into as a, as a market and how we do radio in this market just results in the production being what it is. You know, it's not that people aren't talent, talented point. or don't know what they, they're doing, but that's they're the not point. really, they're not really given the license or given the freedom to produce a more, complex or interesting show in the way they want to. Absolutely right. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that there are elements to a show that you see people are able to really influence. And if you go across the board, across all stations, you'll find that. And then you'll just find people that are bound by restrictions. But you're right. There are talented people. Look, just because somebody is relegated to running a board doesn't mean that they're not a great producer or have great ideas. Right. It's kind of like you're forced into that little corner. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds in this because it's a really complicated um, topic, but I think people need to understand how the ratings work in order to, uh, to, to really truly grasp what we're talking about here. So for people who don't know, radio ratings are done. Well, there's two different things now. Now we have streaming data, which we can collect, which gives us a much better um, viewpoint of how uh, many people are listening and and just gives us a better idea more data that we're collecting right but right. radio radio ratings have historically been collected by nielsen through what we call a ppm which is a portable people meter and it's the exactly beeper. what it's yeah well it's exactly what it sounds like it's like a little beeper you attach to you yep. you walk around with it's tuned to your radio and then it transmits the data to nielsen and it says this is what uh, bobby from mayfair was listening to at one o'clock on uh, yeah right so um, it's archaic, it's outdated. Um, there's better technology that's available, but for reasons that I think are pretty obvious, there's, there's, um, <clears throat> no real incentive to upgrade that right now because it works for both sides. Nielsen gets money. You have to pay for the Nielsen ratings and then WIP and 97.5 get to work off a format that helps them. And a lot of times advertising revenue rates are set based off Nielsen PPM data, right? You follow me, camera guy? All right, so. No, you're um, making perfect sense. Right, okay, what so. What happened to that guy, by the way? I don't know. Um, the sham, The ShamWow guy? I think he did. Yeah, he got in a fight. There was like a mugshot of him where he had like a black yeah, eye or something. Right? <laughs> okay. I'll have to like put that up. I'll have to find that. We'll have to um, put He's that in the next He's a fellow countryman of mine. Shlomo, isn't that his name? I think so. Yeah, He's yeah. He's Israeli. You learn something new every day, man. I'll tell you yeah. what. So listen, um, I'll t a quick story about that. Because the sample size of portable people meters is very small. When I worked in television at Eyewitness News, there were something like 900 households that had a set-top box mm -hmm. um, that transmitted data to Nielsen, right? So if you knew where those people were, you knew who were part of, the pro who, part of that program, we could send a bunch of news trucks to Schwenksville 
and like pique their interest and then maybe get them to tune in. So the point being, I'm going to tell two stories real quick and then you can react to these. I don't think I've ever, ever told these stories before. Um, guy at WIP who I was really close with once told me that Angelo Catati came in second place in the morning with 14 meters, 14 meters, because there's just, there's just not a lot of people who are in the program. Like it's just a very small sample size. So Preston and Steve win all the time. They're like a behemoth. They're like a juggernaut. You can't touch them. Angelo usually comes in number two. Um, But another story is that WOGL and B101 are both owned by Entercom. And there was a little fluctuation in uh, the ratings between WOGL and B101. And an advertiser once said, hey, what happened to our ratings at WOGL? And they looked into it and they found out that one person who was a WOGL listener left the PPM program and was replaced by somebody who was a B101 listener. Yep. So literally one person exited the program, one person entered the program, and that was enough to cause a ripple where an advertiser said, what the hell's going on here? Sounds like a state Senate race. Yeah, right, right. People just getting swapped out and all of a sudden it's like, what the hell just happened here? No, you're right. It's craziness. Those are two examples of of just... It's that fine of a line though. Yes. Right, because these beepers, you mentioned 14 beepers, there probably were 18 to maybe 20 beepers total handed out during that ratings period. Right. So if you are fortunate enough, and this goes back to before we had the gambler having the two stations that were covering sports, you figure, well, it's a big city, a lot of people around. Well, where are we strongest in? Well, let's say the Fanatic is strongest in mm-hmm. Delco, in certain air, Ridley Park is where the Fanatic is through the roof. I'm just yes. arbitrary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they get three meters. All of a sudden, they're three meters in and around Ridley Park. Guess what? They're going to go through the roof. Yeah. And then yeah. those ratings are reflective of that. So, yeah, a lot yeah. of it is just where you get these beepers, but even still, they're one in what? One... 1,000 or something along those lines. It's a least. very small r- yeah, maybe ratio. Even, to, probably yeah. even bigger than that. Like yeah, because we've got, we've got something, you know, Philly, Philly, when I talk about the 900 households on TV, Philly was like a, back then was like a city of like 2 million, a region of 2 million people. We call it a DMA, a designated market area, right? There's like 200 of them in the country. And yep. Philly was ranked number four. We had 2 million households. We only, only had like 900 participating in the program. So to tie it into the Philadelphia Union, Mike is right when he says that like, if we lose like one or two, even one or two or three Eagles fans who are wearing meters, that's enough to make a significant dip in the archaic ratings, you know? So we laugh at it. It's like, well, who cares if like two or three or four Eagles fans turn off the radio because you're talking about the Philadelphia Union? Well, sometimes that's like make or break between whether you're first place, second place, third place, fourth place, you know? Yeah. So here's the, here's the chicken and egg thing that we go back to. It's only really relevant for him. Because he's the only show, and again, it's no knock, it's just that's what the data says. He's the only show that's truly competing with the other stations. With WIP, right. Correct. So if you're looking at a specific men, 25-54, 18-34, those two big demos are what the Fanatic and WIP and, you know, to a lesser extent, the gambler, because they're working on building up revenue, which is a great strategy right now, because... It's not about stepping in and trying to outrate Angelo Cataldi in the morning. It's trying to build a brand that you can sell, which they're doing. But as far as the other stations, you're looking at more of a reflection, especially of one show who's saying, well, well I, can't take afford, I can't afford to take any risks. Mm-hmm. In fact, if anybody at that station who is losing has a point, it would be Mike because he is either neck and neck winning at points or losing very 
you know, to a narrow extent. Right. Other right. people don't really have that excuse. And here's why, because it's a chicken of the egg. And it goes back to, well, you're doing exactly, you and I are in a race and you are, you know, two leagues, I think they call it right ahead of me. And I'm doing exactly what you're doing and I can't break it. What do I do? Do I try something drastic and realize that I might be able to get a little boost? Or do I stay the course knowing that at some point I'm going to catch you? But it's like nothing ever narrows and nobody ever steps away. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you have to talk union every single day or have a union segment or something along those lines. But if you start to condition your audience that, hey, yeah, you're going to get Eagles, an Eagles-centric show, but all of a sudden other stuff can pop up. That's right. where I think you start to create your own freedom, which is you don't know what's going to happen today. Oh, well, what's hot? Hey, Philadelphia Union just had a pretty big moment in their 11-year history. It's probably worth mentioning and discussing. Well, we've set the precedent that we can do that with the Flyers. We yep. can do that with the Union. Mm -hmm. We can do that with Villanova. We can do that with football, college football, SEC football, or Penn State. Yeah. Um, okay, I only got two more for you because I don't want to keep you forever. Um, That's fine, man. You, you done so much like you've stayed on with me much longer i feel guilty <laughs> saying i have to go anywhere that's right that's that's I, I will um i'll take you up on that then um you know you know chris albright and and ben olsen oh, or who, who do you so so what's up with that so my buddy colin mcdonough from gettysburg college he local philadelphian born and raised and i went to gettysburg and just got to know him like a bunch of other eagles fans here and come back and just through hanging out and friends, get to know that he's longtime buddies, grew up with Chris Albright. So at that point, it's like, well, Albright comes, hangs out at Gettysburg. And I remember I had to drop him off somewhere at, I think it was the train station in Frederick, something like that. And this is when he signed with the Galaxy. And Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, is a long, this is a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Pretty big deal. Now, let me just say this. Albright and Olsen, Betty and Chris, are two of the most genuine human beings. And you know I don't throw that around a lot because I need to keep people that will come back and say, oh, yeah, at least I know him. <laughs> they're awesome individuals. Like, they're great they dudes. Are. And I'm, I'm yeah. so thrilled for both of them succeeding. But it's crazy because, you know, here's Olsen. He's like, ah, just, you know, you can rock it. I'm like, really? I could spin it around the block? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think we're seniors in college at this point. And I'm like, all right, man. So, you know, driving back and I just spun it around Gettysburg for like, I don't know, two hours, just stopping everywhere. You know, it was brand new Beamer and stuff. And he was just so cool like that. Olsen, and then they were down in D.C. So we started to go down there after college or right there towards the end of it. And then right after school, a couple of our buddies were down in D.C. and everybody was hanging out because Chris and Ben were playing for the United. So at that point, it was awesome because we'd go down and just hang out and just go out. And again, yeah. it was like one of these things where you're hanging with these dudes and they're very open and generous and cool. And, you know, next thing you know, it's just I got to see D.C. to the point then where I moved down there. I was like, all right, I'm moving. I'm moving. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, it was basically like, you know, I got to over see some practices, got over to see Freddie Adu couple of times remember that yeah philadelphia yeah, philadelphia union uh late would later go on to play for the philadelphia sure union. sure i'm yeah. going back to dc united yeah, the dc right? united originally he was a kid yeah. and and, yeah. and listen he was doing some fun stuff in practice and, and i just remember one day benny was looking up at us like dude this this kid 
because he was older, you know, <laughs> Ben and Chris were older at the time. He's like, yeah. this kid is, is something else. But it, it was it was fun, man, because it, they never they were never like MLS players, soccer players mm-hmm. out. They're always like dudes. They're always just like, you know. Just normal, regular guys. dudes. Yeah. yeah. And that's always yeah. why I loved covering it. And it's not, um, you know, this is not a slight against like Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid or any of those guys that I that I cover now or that I'm around now or I used to be before COVID. But it's just not the same, you know, like the MLS players are so down to earth because they didn't make a ton of money. You know, they made the same right. money that we did, you know, and they were driving the same cars that we were, you know, we, we well, did living right. in the same, well, not him. Right. But <laughs> other like Ray Gaddis was back in 2012. But um, last question for it is not even really much of a question. It's just, I, I don't, I, I always, I'm always curious in the perspective of, um, you know, we, we have non-soccer people on every so often. And you, as somebody who's obviously like mostly talks about the quote-unquote four major sports on the radio and whatnot, right. I'm just curious as to what, 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 what you think of, of where the union are now and how they're doing it with the academy and um, just the success they've had in, in recent years. I mean, when we started this podcast four years ago, um, they were a complete joke. Yep. And now they are quite easily the best run team in the city, which is amazing to me to consider. But I'm just curious, you, your perspective, I mean, what, what you see from where you are. No, I think you're right. I think that it's nothing, in, as you know, it doesn't matter what the sport is, and the union just did that this year. There's nothing like rewarding fans after going through a rough period. And I think what's happened is you've seen that corner turn, and I think that it's anyone from Sons of Ben, from people that have been there forever, to people that have just started to get into it, to people that should and just maybe hear the podcast or they see it retweeted into their timeline and start to get into it or or just the matter of the sport itself in this country growing. I think now when you look at the individual success that this team has this year, right, the way in which they built it, not having to go out and making these ridiculous signings. And as you mentioned, best run team in the city and, you know, Albright, that front office, they've recognized finding value and it's difficult. You you know, that doesn't happen. You've got superstars in the NBA, whether or not you like it based on the level of success you want to have a team go. And the flyers, that stuff just always flies under the radar. Superstars always get ridiculously ripped anyway. If you want to call Giroux one of those, you know, as far as the the level of scrutiny. And and in this point, I think with the union, what they've done is they've built a, a reputation. And I think that's probably the best thing that you can take away is there's been a, a thank you. Thank you for sticking with us to people that have been there for 11 years. There's been a reputation now that's been built up for people that are maybe straddling the line of interest. And there are people that might just listen to a Jim Curtin interview with Sean Brace and say, wow, this dude is pretty cool. He's talking about Eagle stuff. He's talking about a bunch of different, he's a cool dude. I want to know more about him. I, I want to root for him there's now a reputation. And unfortunately we are superficial in this city and it's hard to, you can't sell temple football to somebody who doesn't know temple foot. Oh man, you just wait, Kev. You just, you just got to watch this football team. All of a sudden you start to sell the union. Yeah. They're the best team in the MLS. They have an insane fan base and it's an awesome time. If you're able to get down to Chester in the first place, but even more than that, the team is winning and it's respectable. So I think all of that, factors in on well, they're doing it with homegrown kids too who are blue collar and they come from new philadelphia oh look at that as we like to call it so let me ask you this what's put this on a list as far as from most to least ridiculous 
Was it the trade Ben Simmons for James Harden? Was it the Jersey gate with Chris Heck? Or was it the Wentz Foles far gate that dom- all three dominated at some point the radio this weekend? Uh, the, we- the bye week, dude. The bye week just fucking kills oh, me every year. It's you know, like we just- are incapable of talking about sports unless there are sports on television. You know I like what? to think that one of my specialties with crossing broad, because we try to do things that other people aren't doing, you know, uh, to the point where it just gets goofy and ridiculous. I like to think one of my strengths is like coming up with stuff when there's absolutely nothing else to fucking talk about. Yeah. But I'll give you that. I, I will go in backwards order as to how you presented them. The most ridiculous one of the week was the Brett Favre non-story. Number okay. two was the boathouse row where it turned into like conversations about race relations and gentrification based on like boathouse row being white and privileged or, or whatever the hell that was all about. And then number three would be Simmons for Harden, which in any normal week would, would have dominated, uh, you know, the, the, the airwaves, but uh, no, it was, just, it, was, it was just crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, not to rehash the whole Brett Favre thing. No, no, I, no, I, no, I'm not asking you. To. No, but I just think it. it's, I think it's funny. Like what I was arguing with, with Mike about was like, you know, it's always trying to make make something. Uh, it's like it's like why does he have to answer in a way that suits us? You know, mm-hmm. like well, he didn't answer the question the right way. Well, right. what is the right way to answer the question? There is no right, right way. There's no arbitrary, you know, set of rules that you're beholden to. Like it's not he doesn't have to like answer in the way that the media needs him to answer. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a nothing burger. It's like a piece of bread, another piece of bread, and there's nothing else there. You know, unlike the always soccer in Philadelphia podcast which is juicy and full of meat and tomato and lettuce and good content to chew on right Aton uh, shander burger not one it, of those fake burgers not the impossible whopper not the, probably uh, good Do you, you know the difference i gave you an impossible oh, it's burger king it's gonna taste like bur- it's gonna smell like burger king and taste like burger king it's gonna it's taste gonna like it was char char <laughs> You can right? put anything on that and then char broil it or do Seriously. whatever they do. Then it'll probably t- taste the same exact it's way. It's the same grill. Or I don't know which one microwaves, right? But it, uh, no, yeah, McDonald's does. All right. Listen, this is good. Uh, you know, char broiled uh, burger conversation. You wouldn't get this on any other Philadelphia Union podcast. Aton Shander, follow him on Twitter at Shander Show. Uh, he's on the middle uh, with Harry Mays and Barrett Brooks, eleven a.m weekdays on Philly Voice and YouTube. Uh, what are the odds on Fox Sports, The Gambler, props and locks as well, and TV on Fox 29? That's the four of them. Did I miss anything? Well, Fox and 29 is props and locks. It is props and locks. Yeah, but you're still, do you still, but you st- are you still doing like the morning hits on, on, yeah, on yeah, Thursday yeah, too? Okay, so technically that's two, di- that's two different things. Correct, yeah. We, okay. we actually have a segment this Sunday on game day. So okay. check that out. Yeah, okay. Eight, Look, Eight is becoming big. There you go. I love it. Aton Shander, now a friend of the program after Thank making you, his uh, debut. Thanks for coming on and telling us Anytime. about the industry. We appreciate it. All right, brother. Okay, let's see what you got for me in the way of questions, comments, and concerns. I also asked if you would be interested in sharing your favorite track from the Illmatic album, which is probably my number two or number three hip-hop album of all time. I, I think you would have to say... Um, I think my favorite hip-hop album is Liquid Swords. And then I think It's Dark and Hell is Hot would probably be number two with Illmatic, like a 2A, 2B, something like that. They're all great. You can't go wrong. Uh, Michael N., he says his favorite uh, track from Illmatic was New York State of Mind. Can't go wrong with that, man. Actually, let's, let's, let's play it right here. How about we play it? Okay, this is from Union Hulk. He says, Kevin Dino, do you remember when the Philadelphia Union won the league? 
we're fancy as shit now, and all Union fans can now eat peanuts by throwing one in at a time the fancy way. We get the Medford messy money soon. How do we spend it? Do we get fancier? Do we get any fancier dupe fans stop eating tuna from the can? Well, that's a great question, Hulk. Um, what do they do with the Brendan Aronson money? You know, it's interesting because Taylor Twellman came out after we did the after I, after Russ and I did the podcast and after the one with, with Brian Sharetta, and he said it was going to be closer to eight million or, not, or nine million, or the fee was like six million, and then the incentives were were probably going to get them up to eight million or nine million. That's fantastic money. Invest, put some more money into the academy. I don't know. Pave, pave the parking lots. Put some more into the, the facilities. It's awesome. You could do a bunch of different things with it. I don't know. You tell me. I would. I would do everything with that. I'd get a. Um, I'd get a weight set for my weight room down in the basement. I'd put an elliptical down there. No treadmill though, because I can't. I need low impact because my knees are busted. Uh, Shane Lorch says it looks like the at least uh, four new homegrown signings by January first. Yeah, they made a couple more um, today, or yesterday, I think. What roster spots do we think they take? Uh, are vets like Colin and Craval going to be replaced by those 16 to 18-year-olds? Um, and he says, uh, One Love is my favorite song on Illmatic. Yeah, I mean, I think you would... Craval, Colin... I mean, think think about, think about um, Aurelian Colin for a second. So here's a guy who won a, won pretty much everything with Kansas City, won the league, won the Open Cup. He's your fourth center back, you know? Even if they got down to a situation where they had to go with, like, Glessness and Colin or Elliott and Colin or Mark McKenzie and Colin, I still would have felt comfortable with that. Like, he's got his adventurous moments, <laughs> as we all saw last year. But he's the he, – I mean, imagine having a guy like that as your fourth center back. I think he probably. I think they probably move on from Aurelian. Probably move on from Warren. Right, two young guys come in and replace him there. Maybe Kai Wagner's gone. I don't know where that rumor came from. Anybody tell me where that rumor came from that Kai Wagner might be moving on? Um, maybe Sergio Santos is is transferred somewhere. I'm not really sure. Um, there'll be there'll be spots that open up. There'll be spots that open up. Um. Jim Curtin Burner says, looking at next season, we'll have three competitions to compete in. Yep. Champions League, the league, U.S. Open Cup. Uh, what should be the top priority and what positions do we need to reinforce? Well, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, aren't we? I mean, let, let's get through the playoffs first. I know we got a long time to go. But we got, you know, a little while to go before we get to the playoffs. But um, I would prioritize the Champions League. Absolutely. I mean, they got the shield, you know, it's like they got the shield. So do they need to win? That, that's not a priority right now. If you've already won one, imagine saying that, that the supporter shield is not a priority for the Philadelphia union. Cause they already won it champions league for sure. And that's going to be early in the year. I get, we think, I don't know when, what the schedule is going to be like us open cup. You would love to win that one too. I still think they could win that. I would say champions league is priority one priority. Number two is, is, getting at least home field advantage for the first or second round of the playoffs for sure. The shield is whatever. And then the open cup is, is priority number three. I think they're going to have to build depth next year for sure. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to be playing a lot of games, a lot of different stuff. that's meaningful. Um, Jared says, uh, Jared, who was on with Mike, who, who got on with Mike and tried to fight the good fight. 
um, the other day on Thursday. Um, he says, what are the odds when 2016 rolls around uh, that Mike Miss is trying to push the World Cup only beca- uh, because it's the only relevant thing to talk about that summer? <laughs> no, I'm not salty. Why would you ask that? Yeah, it's funny. Like I was joking with um, with Aton because – you know, I think the last time I went, you know, I was on with like Glenn and Ike, um, like 2014. I think I was on with Glenn and somebody else in 2010 because it's like, you know, they have that one week every summer where nothing's going on and like nobody gives a shit about the Phillies. And it's like, well, is soccer going to make it in America? Blah, blah, blah. They have the same fucking soccer conversation every time. But, you know, oddly enough, I don't think that Mike, I don't even think that Mike dislikes soccer. I don't think he's a soccer hater. Um, I've heard him name drop like Giorgio Canaglia and Franz Beckenbauer on the, the show before. I think he's somebody who appreciates the sport and, and followed it a little bit growing up. I don't think he hates it. Same way, I don't. I don't know if he actually hates hockey or he just has a thing with Flyers fans at this point because it's become such a complex. You know, again, it's just about playing the hits. I don't. I don't know if he truly dislikes hockey and soccer. I don't think he does. It's just. He gets frustrated because it's like you're in this formula where you got to talk to talk about the Eagles and you got to play the hits, and that's what radio is in this town, you know. So, um, Super Wentz says, "Do you think it's possible we ever see a full eleven of all homegrown players?" Um, I was thinking maybe like a first round cup game versus the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. You could see a lineup of Freeze, um, Craig Rayal, Turner. Paxton Aronson, Sullivan, Fontana. God, I mean, I well, I guess you could. I mean, if if Mark McKenzie's back there, he would be another one. I, I just don't. I, I mean, it would be it would be a great storyline, like an article. You know, everybody would go crazy on Twitter. Well, look at what the Union are doing. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, it's not like I don't think it's practical. I don't. I don't think anybody ever said that the academy is going to be your only source of. It, it would be cool. It would be cool if they could do it. It'd be fun if they could do it for sure, but. Uh, the practicality of doing that. You're never, you're never supposed to only traverse one at one Avenue anyway, you know? So, um, they could, they could very easily do that. Let me see how many homegrowns of that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They could probably pull it off next year. It'd probably have to come the year after though. I mean, it depends. Cause you know, it, you, then you have to sell sell off these home, some of these homegrown guys too. I don't know if you'd, you'd ever get to the point where you would have eleven of them on the team at the same time. Um, Eric says, as a supporter shield winner, uh, will the union be the first team invited to the <laughs> to the Joe Biden White House? <laughs> no, no, they would have to win the uh, win the MLS Cup, I guess. Maybe they win it. Wouldn't that be something or something? You know, if they won MLS Cup, well, who would who would they? Well, let me think. If they win his MLS Cup, it's in December, right? So Biden would be in by January, we think, as long as there's no um, funny business going on here. I, that's the most political I'll ever get on on the podcast. Um, I guess they would get into yeah, because they're they're not. Did Trump even host MLS teams in the White House? Jesus Christ, I can't even. I don't think that any of them wanted to go. Anyway, did they? I mean, the Eagles didn't even go down. Go down there. So um, they could quite possibly be. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be the most like apropos thing of all time? Joe Biden, who caused me and you and a lot of people to miss Sebastian Latou's first goal in Philadelphia Union history, because 
of the Secret Service was that fucking Lincoln Financial Field when you're stuck outside of the gates for 40 minutes waiting to get in. If he who caused all of that stress and nonsense on us 10 years ago, if he ended up being in the White House with <laughs> the Union one MLS Cup, and then uh, we could, you know, send uh, send the, the team down there, and that would be the ultimate irony, wouldn't it? And then we could all share the picture of Biden wearing his Union jacket from from 2010 or whatever. Wouldn't that be something else? Imagine the Philadelphia Union at the White House and playing in the Champions League. I, it still really hasn't even sunk in. Uh, if we're being quite honest, the Philadelphia Union, the Champions League. Maybe we'll have the vaccine by then, and maybe we'll have a full house for Philadelphia Union versus Saprissa in the Champions League knockout or Champions League group stages. Philadelphia Union versus Pachuca, Cruz Azul, Club America. Be something else, man. I'm gonna have to rejoin the beat if that's the case. Um, that's it for the show. I uh, my favorite uh, song off of. Uh, Illmatic is life's a bitch, so I'm going to play 30 seconds of that only uh, as we end the podcast because I don't want to get sued. I think you get sued if you play more than like 30 seconds of a song. So we're going to play 30 seconds of life's a bitch and then you die and then you win the supporter shield.